ಸಿದ್ಧಾಣಂ ನಮೋ ಸಿದ್ಧಾಣಂ ನಮೋ ಆಯುರಿಯಾಣಂ ನಮೋ ಅಜಾಯಾಣಂ ನಮೋ ಲೋಯೆ ಸೌ ಸಾಹುಣಂ ಹೇಸೋ ಪಂಚಣ ಮುಕ್ತಾರೋ ಸೌವ ಪಾವ ಪಣಾಸು ಮಂಗಳಾಣಂ ಸೌವೇಸಿ Oh, hi. I didn't see you come in. <clears throat> well, I must say that uh, Dilip Mehta and uh, Krutika Desai and the gang, I assume, is... how they're known, um, do a much better job at reciting the Namaskara Sutra than I do. Um, so, just, uh, just a bit of quick review. Real quick, if this is your first time seeing me, better to start at the beginning with Dhammapada and watch it all the way through. But if you do want to watch the Jain Sutras, but you're a little confused that it says Buddhist books, Jain Sutras... what those are two different things click here start with episode 1 of jain sutras now that that's out of the way a bit of quick review um yes this is a 200 rupee note as they say um so yeah what you just saw victors does not mean like you know hail caesar oh genghis khan he won okay oh, i worship you genghis khan no um it means <clears throat> uh generally the great soul that has conquered the blemishes and karmic enemies of the inner self such as desire anger ego and greed <clears throat> so i mean in 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 western alchemical terms you could spiritual alchemy you could call it uh, someone who's completed the black work someone who's gone through the uh, the process of overcoming the <clears throat> the demons the inner demons uh, so that's victor right and that was what was that word that was uh our hantas and the second one was liberated souls that was sidas so those are people who i guess you could say are in the red work or you know they're they're all the way through uh they've completed the white work in the sense of black white and red you know if you're into those things if not just ignore everything that i just said so uh yeah what he mentioned last time was you have to be an arhinta before you become a sita which in that context makes sense i was making some comments about how you don't have to like give up your life but yeah no you have to give up your your desire anger ego and greed fair enough and then the uh the akaryas the preceptors the people who obey the rules right who follow the precepts <clears throat> if you hear those previous episodes he goes into it a, lo- a lot more detail than i am i don't know if i'm even remembering all of the all this correctly but that they were the ones if i recall correctly that are in charge of the administration um in the sense of like running a jainist temple i assume and then so they they were the preceptors the spiritual teachers the upadhyayas pretty self explanatory right the people who were the spiritual teachers and then the last one was the sadhus so there's the uh the siddhas and the sadhus two different things the sadhus are the ascetics so they're the ones that are i mean you know uh anyway 
they're, the, they're on the ascetic path. They're abstaining from all these things. So, he's going to go into a little more detail about these things in uh, this next part of the reading. So, we'll get a little more information about that. Real quick, you may have noticed this, if you remember from a couple episodes ago, this was wood. It is still wood, but now it has a base coat. Pretty cool, right? All right. So I had said the next time you see this would be in the Esoteric Nerd. I'm sorry for the lie. It was unintentional at the time. Um, but I wanted to show it to you at this stage. See, the next time you see this, it'll be different. I won't say how. You'll have to pay attention to the Esoteric Nerd podcast to find out. Where's a good place for this? It's just sort of nice to have here, even though the Ashok pillar is more of a Buddhist thing, but it's an Indian thing overall. Um, here we have our Tirtankaras present for the reading. Let's get right to it, shall we? I don't think I have anything else to go through. Um, so uh, real quick, that, uh, that song, the singing, um, if you want to listen to that whole thing, go ahead and click here. Okay, that's card number three. I don't think I'm going to use more than that today. We'll find out. Now, moving along with the next section, I hope. <clears throat> A broader vision. The sadhupada is elementary. Akarya, upadhyaya, and irihanta. These three padas are the evolved forms of the sadhupada. In, okay, so the sadhu is the one, is the ascetic. So it starts out with... You know, you take your average Joe and you say, okay, average Joe, you want to be on the path? All right. Don't do this. 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 And they go, okay, I'll try. So that's a sadhu. That's like the step one. And we bow before them. They're on the path. Right? I mean, we, Jana, right? Jans, not Janists, because that's not a word. Okay. The other three are the evolved form of that. So they're all, they all start out as sadhus. Uh, so, so, I mean, I guess strictly seaking in Jain terms, uh, Siddhartha Gautama was a sadhu at the time that, uh, you know, he, he was a failed sadhu basically from, from their perspective. Okay. <clears throat> in the absence of sadhupada or monkhood, these, uh, three states cannot be attained. Uh, the, the states of being a spiritual teacher, the state of being a victor, and the state of being a uh, preceptor, I believe, right? Well, anyway, okay. In the fifth pada, spiritual attention is paid to the words lo and sava. Oh, they were just there. Let's, let's just real quick, lo, lo. In this universe, sava, all. That was, you remember that? I thought, oh, bow before in this universe, all. Wow, how cool. Oh, all ascetics. Okay. Uh, here, the equanimity of Jainism comes clearly to the forefront. From the point of view of object, monkhood may be restrained by, I did something very subtle. I moved the microphone. This is for the people, of course, on YouTube, so that you could see, because before the microphone was right here, and I was trying to make reference to it. So there's the, uh, the Vajrayana folks. Okay. Uh, from the point of view of emotion, monkhood may be restrained by dress code. Sorry, backing up a little. From the point of view of object, 
Monkhood may be restrained by dress code. Sadu, uh, sadu light, maybe. I wear a, a Benedict medal when I'm not wearing this, so it's a monk in two orders, yet zero. Two and zero at the same time. It's called non-duality. Yeah. Anyway, from the point of view of object, monkhood may be restrained by dress code, but from the point of view of emotion or feeling, for those of you who don't know these big words like emotion, uh, whatever monkhood is found in this vast world, on whomever it is bestowed, it is considered worthy of worship, and thus one must pay obedience to it. You must. No, 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 no. Please don't. Uh, such is the greatness of this ideal. I mean, to me, you can pay obedience to monks. That's fine. I'm just... I play one on TV. Okay, next section. God and Guru. It's with a capital G, God, but it's at the beginning of a sentence. I think it would be lowercase g if it wasn't. Okay. The first two of the five padas fall in the category of God, with a lowercase g. And the last three are in the category of Guru. Well. Akarya, Upadhyaya, and Sadhu are all sadakas. I guess by Jain definition, then, Buddha was a god once he attained uh, full, unsurpassed, bright nirvana. Samyoka Sambodhi. What? Is that right? No, probably not. Akarya, Upadhyaya, and Sadhu are all sadakas. He says as if he has any idea what he's talking about. They are, I mean, not he, I mean me. I, I'm sure he knows what he's talking about. Okay. They are still on the path of self-evolution. Therefore, they are considered gurus and so are worshipped by the Shravakas who are inferior to them. All this superior and inferior stuff, I don't know. Well, anyway, moving right along. These gurus in turn worship, this was pre-World War II, so people didn't have such a sour taste in their mouth about words like Ubermensch and Untermensch, you know. You know, right? Although Ubermensch was a Nietzsche thing, so it's uh, context. Anyway, uh, but Arhantas and Siddhas have attained the highest state of evolution. Have you seen that show, The Sinner? Anyway, uh, therefore, they are Siddhas or gods. Okay, right. Yeah, the first two. The victor and the... Uh, what was that second one? The, the victor... The first, you remember, they were just singing it. The victor and the liberated soul. They are gods. And the, uh, the preceptor, spiritual teacher, and ascetic are monks. All right. Okay. Uh, da, da, da. The Arhants and Siddhas have attained the highest state of evolution. Therefore, they are Siddhas or gods. Their lives have no trace of attachment, aversion, or delusion. Therefore, they cannot falter or fall. Arhantas are also complete and Siddha-like. In the Anuyogadvara... Uh, 
I'm looking for a new Yoga Devara. Sorry, I don't know why. I don't know why it just popped in there. Janet Jackson. Anyway, they are considered... Thank you. Thank you. That was a holy uh, sound. They are considered as Sitas. Did you get all that? Okay, I think we're all on the same page here. It's it, we've we've gone over around in circles and okay. With regard to because of me, not because of him. Uh, with regard to purity of the inner self, there is no difference between the two. What? Okay, let me back up a little. Our hantas are also complete and sita like. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the people who are free from desire and all of these, you know, greed and anger, are they're basically the same as the people who are liberated beings. From the perspective of the lowly, what are they called? The lay people? They're like, you're a lay person. Are you not even a deacon. You're just coming to church. Uh, what's that word? Mm, the one who, who has to, the, the shravaka, the shravakas. All right. The Shravakas are the lay people, I assume. Okay. Um, the difference is merely in undergoing the remaining karmas. These are known as the Prabha karmas, which are yet to be fructified. Arahantas still experience the joys and sorrows of their Prabha, pra, Parabha karmas. Whereas the Siddhas are free from their physical being and hence have shed their prarabha karmas entirely. Hmm, prarabha karma. Did he already explain what that was? Hmm. Oh, these are known, the difference merely in undergoing the remaining karmas, these are known as the prabhara karmas, which are yet to be fructified. He didn't explain what they were, but there was a sentence that said these are known as the Prabhaka Karmas. And yet, no definition, no explanation. Okay, all right, I'll, I'll allow it. Mm -hmm. Next, Kulika. The Kulika refers to the appendix uh, the, uh, that follows oh, the five padas in the Navakara Mantra. The Namaskara Mantra? The, it is the very... Oh, I've seen it written as Navakara Mantra. Okay. It is very significant since it explains the power of paying obeisance to the five padas. It is stated in the Kulika that by paying obeisance to the five supreme divinities, or paramisthis, um, all kinds of sins are washed away forever. The first two padas, I mean, this kind of like, I, you know, I'm kind of like, oh, maybe Jesus went to India. Oh, maybe I'm not the first person to think of that. <laughs> right? um, the first two padas of the Kulika explain the journey of the soul as it undergoes annihilation of sins. And the last two padas of the Kulika state, the reward, state the rewards and fruits attained therein. When the soul is cleared of its blemishes, uh, it becomes auspicious and pure. I love that word, auspicious. It's like the, the, the Buddhist version of cool. It's like two Buddhists are talking and they're like, oh man, auspicious, man. It's like, yeah, it was this, this was happening and then 
then the sun was right there, and then this guy walked right through the door. Whoa, auspicious, man. It's like sort of a Bill and Ted thing. Anyway, no, not really. The Namaskara Mantra by destroying... See, I said it was going to be silly right up until I finish this. Then it'll get serious when we get to this stuff, right? I'm going to be serious for 10 years. Probably not, but I'll do my best. Okay, uh, the Namaskara Mantra by destroying all karmas takes us beyond the state of void. Wow, you can do all this with a mantra? could tell all that just from hello anyway uh, and shows us the path which leads to a state of complete emancipation cool obedience dual and non-dual akarya jayasena in his exposition on namaskara describes it in two forms one is the dual obedience and the other uh, is the non-dual obedience, where there is a marked difference between the devotee and the deity, where a person is aware of himself as a devotee and sees the other as deity, then their duality remains, and the obedience is considered dual in nature. But when the fluctuations of attachment and aversion are destroyed, leading to stability within the self, the soul perceives itself as a form of the worshipped Arihanta. Yeshua, Mionia. Such a person, that wasn't in the text, that was just my commentary. Such a person is, well, CRC's commentary. Such a person is conscious only of his own inner form. This guy, if you were wondering. Anyway, okay. Such a one is conscious only of his own inner form and pays obedience to that soul within. Well, sounds like some new age Gnostic mumbo jumbo to me, <laughs> says the priest. Uh, no. Okay, let's get serious, shall we? It's, it's, it's too much, too much levity. Uh, yes, paying obedience to the soul within. I worship me, the real me, so it's not narcissism. Okay, this is known as the non-dual obedience. So that's what the kids are calling it these days. Sorry. Among, not really sorry, but, you know. Among the two, it is the latter that is superior. Ooh. Now that will get you burned at the stake in medieval Europe. Um, dual obedience is an instrument that must ultimately lead to non-dual obedience. Theosis, right? Uh, at the outset, the sadaka performs duality-oriented sadhana. And he evolves further. His sadhana becomes devoid of difference and duality. But if he reads this, then he can fake it, right? Anyway, complete and non-dual. I have a feeling he was teaching hippies. I really do. Uh, you know, just uh, maybe I'm wrong. He was born in 1901. So, yeah, I think it was the, the early. Uh... Anyway, okay. Uh, dual obedience is an instrument that must ultimately lead to non-dual obedience. At the outset, we already read this. As he evolves further, his sadhana becomes devoid of difference and duality. Complete and not, not, not to say it doesn't mean it's true. 
or that it's really Jainism. It just seems like the emphasis is like for the hippies, like you know. Okay, uh, which is to say, you know, uh, the children of mostly Protestants and Catholics and Jewish people who rebelled and went to India in the 60s, maybe the 70s. Smoked a little weed, listened to this guy. You know, it's, he's, that, you know, I mean, to be able to, with a turn of phrase and with eloquence, to convince someone who's rebelling against, like, the authoritative patriarchal structure into bowing before the guru it takes some finesse. It takes a little bit of something. Anyway. Okay. Being Indian will get, only get you halfway, but you got to be able to say stuff too. Complete and non-dual sadhana is reached in the state of Arihanta. In this context, Akarya Jayasena states, a lot of Sanskrit. A lot of Sanskrit. How much time do we have? Okay. Let's do it. Ahamaradhaka ete cha, I think, or sa, it's ca, I don't know. Arhadadaya aradya. New word? No, those, that was five words. Okay, but this next one is just one long word. Ityarada, excuse me, ityaradyaradak. Kavikalparupo, end of word, next word, Dvitanamaskaro, new word, Banyate, <clears throat> new sentence, Ragadyu, Padi, Vikalparahitaparamasamadi, hyphen, Balenatmanyeva, new word, Aradyaradavakabhava, new word, Punaradvai, Jiyabhayanam, Mascaro, Banyate. <coughs> End of quote. That came from the Pravakansara 15 Tatparya hyphen Virti. Virti? Virti? Something like that. Okay, next section. Obedience to the self. For the sadhana of non dual or singular obedience. The aspirant has to be steadfast from the real standpoint. The supreme goal of Jainism is the real standpoint. Our journey is not just to stop somewhere along the way. In the form of religious victory, we want to reach the supreme goal of our true self. Therefore, while reciting the Navakara mantra, the Sadaka must experience oneness with all the five great padas. He must reflect thus, quote, I am the soul, untainted by karmic blemishes and shackles that arise from ignorance. If I move ahead by lifting the veils of ignorance and attachment from my inner vision and finally remove them layer by layer completely, then I am also the sadhu, the upadhyaya, 
the Akarya, the Arihanta, and the Sita, respectively. What can be the difference between them and myself? At that point, my obedience will be to my own self, and even now, this obedience that I pay is not in slavery, but as a respect for the qualities of the self. Thus, in actuality, I am worshipping my very own self. End quote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For all the fundies out there who are uh, just watching this to find out why it's actually Satan, I'll give you a chance to finish taking notes, underlining multiple times. Okay. Just as the Jaina scholars call the supremacy of the real standpoint, I don't think that, by the way. Okay. In the Bhagavati Sutra, as Samayika, so also the soul is known as the conglomeration of the surpri- of the five of the surprise of the five supreme authorities. Therefore, from the real standpoint, obedience is finally to the self rather than to the five paramisthis separately. By contemplating on paying obedience to oneself. The venerability, supremacy, purity, and ultimate godliness of the self is echoed, echoed, echoed. The sombre reverberation Asian, Asian, of Jainism is, uh, is that the soul is the builder of its own future. Cool. It is the storehouse of eternal peace and is pure, like the highest spirit. Apa so paramapa. That was in quotes. Truly, the Atma is the Paramatma, or the soul is the soul in itself is God. One of the six Orthodox philosophies. I recall correctly. There's six orthodox philosophies in India and six unorthodox philosophies. But since I moved here, there's probably seven unorthodox philosophies, at least. Okay, external obeisance. I think it's obeisance. I'm probably, I've been saying that wrong this whole time. Obeisance. External obeisance is the beginning of the path. Its goal is in reaching the real standpoint and not in anything else. Such thought does not simply spring from my imagination. This analysis and the description of non-dual obedience and its contemplation have been handed down to us by the ancient scholars. As one of them has stated... Namastubyam, 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 namo nama, namo mayam, namo mayam, namo mayam, namo nama. Maybe I can find that one and I'll play it later in another episode. The great saint of Jainism, Sri Anandagana, has stated with great emotion 
in the following prayer thus. Aho aho hum mujhane namu namo mujha namo mujhare amita paladana datarani jehani betna tai tuchare. Read a little more. Obedience with object and thought. In the five padas of the Navakaro mantra, the word which the mantra commences, the word with which the mantra, the mantra commences with is namo. This is a symbol of obedience. Of obeisance. It's Implication is that to pay obeisance to great souls is to worship them. By Namaskara, spelled lowercase n, capital N, A-M-A-S-K-A-R-A, Virayatan, do proofreading, some typos, I'm just saying, it's not as bad as that. Anyway, okay. We express our faith, devotion, and pure emotion towards pure soul. Worship by obeisance, namaskara puja, is of two kinds. Obeisance with object, dravya namaskara, and obeisance with thought, bhava namaskara. The process of drava, dravya namaskara is to aid activity in the limbs and head by stabilizing and coordinating them and bowing down to the object of one's worship or obeisance, or obeisance. The process of bhava namaskara means that one must remove the active mind from all fluctuations and engage it towards the object of one's worship or obeisance. It is the duty of those who perform namaskara to deliver both kinds of obeisance. See the reverence, see the reference for nama in the scriptures. Nama iti nai patikam padam pujartam puja se dravya bhava sankoka tatra karasira padadiravya sanyaso dravya sankoka bhava sankokatsu Visudhasya manaso yoga. That comes from Dharma Sangraha to Adhi. The meaning, the meaningfulness of sequence, we will get to uh, in part five of. The, the, of the Jain Sutras portion of Edward Reeb's Buddhist Books podcast. All right. I'll go ahead and wrap up. Thank you all for joining me on this journey, this long journey. And uh, I, I, too, am looking forward to getting to those books. That's why I'm going to vigilantly keep reading this. And uh, hopefully within a, a week or two, will be on to those. Okay. Thank you all for joining me, and thank you for going on this ride with me.
close with the prayer that my father and I performed at the end of our morning meditations when I was young. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Until next time.